0: Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Baccarat from directors Kleber Mendonza Filho and Juliano Dornelles, Winner of the Jury Prize at Cannes and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Baccarat comes to theaters starting March 6th.
1: This week's podcast is sponsored by the River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th, featuring a film noir classic with Gigi Peru and a 70th anniversary screening of In a Lonely Place. Info at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway.
2: Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold and I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. This week, the Film Comment Podcast reports from the Berlin International Film Festival, straight from, you guessed it, Berlin. It's one of the year's major festivals, and the 2020 edition has been highly anticipated because of its new leadership and an impressive slate of films. We'll be talking about the highlights, including new movies from Christian Petzold, Hong Sang-soo, and Abel Ferrara, as well as Natalia Meta's El Profugo and Victor Kozakowski's Gunda. I'll be joined by Devika Girish, our assistant editor, and a few special guests. Also check out our website for more in-depth coverage on the festival and filmmakers. Let's go now to our latest conversation in Berlin. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rippold. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comet. And we're here again at the Berlin Film Festival, uh, which is a beehive of activity. Um, and, you know, we're a little further along in the festival, so we have even more movies to talk about. Um, and for this edition, I'm very pleased to be joined
3: by... Jessica Green, the Artistic Director of the Houston Cinema Arts Society. Uh, Welcome back. Thank you. I guess it was at Toronto
2: where you last uh yeah. podcasted the Light Fantastic. Yeah,
3: Toronto. Whoa, that was ages ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, a and, lifetime ago. A lifetime ago. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Um, and also joined by
4: Devika Garish, assistant editor at Film Comment.
2: Um so let's dive right into it, um, because I know people are dying to hear our opinions. <laughs> Um, ah, they ah. just they just can't stop hearing our opinions again and again, um, um, but um, yeah, we've had a few more movies. We have had a um an Abel, Fer- Abel Ferrara movie, um, and but uh, we'll get to that in a sec. I just wanted to start with a Brazilian movie uh, that showed over the weekend um, from the directors of Good Manners, um, Marco Dutra
3: and. And Caetano go Tordo. I have
4: to say, Caetano, uh, oh. I think, edited Good Manners. Marco oh. was one of the directors. Okay, and
2: it was a different second director? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've already bollocked up everything, <laughs> so. Um, but this is a, I mean, for me, it was a movie I was really curious to see because um, if only just from Good Manners, this strange, like, hybrid of... of um, you know real horror kind of energy and class conflict something i guess we're seeing a lot um, is seeing genre mobilized for class commentary um and this movie i would say is just as if not more um, class conscious um who wants to take a crack at, at uh summarizing it it's like summarizing proust The newbie. The
3: newbie. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right Uh, All right. Third time veteran now.
4: In Berlin. In the Berlin podcast. Yeah. We're
3: all all noobs. Yes. The film is set in 1899, 10 years after slavery ends in Brazil. um, And it follows uh, kind of two families uh, a family of slave owners, former slave owners, rather um, and landowners and former slaves. Um, and one of the former slaves, um, children who was born after slavery or at least did not grow up enslaved. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it it explores a relationship between these two families, these two entities. Um, it also, uh, really explores a kind of clash between, I guess, you know, what would be called, uh, Condemblé or or like following of Ocean and kind of more um, uh, versions of Catholicism that are rooted in African spiritual practices and then kind of like straight ahead Portuguese European Catholicism and uh, yeah and I guess like I don't know my big note on this film was like I feel like this was like the full on kind of gothic slavery film I've been waiting for. And I've long felt like, you know, slavery as a subject and a theme is incredibly gothic. And there is just so much gothicness there to mine and explore. And I think this film, that's what I really appreciated about it. And it really kind of went there. On on that tip, and I think that's really exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that in storytelling and kind of really taking that kind of like gothic approach to the theme. Um, and yeah, and I guess I, I guess it sounds like this was a theme in in the previous film, the kind of anachronistic element of of kind of present day mixed with period. Without spoiling it, that's definitely also a theme, and I thought that was really interestingly handled, and um, you know, kind of really played into this kind of theme of ghosts you know and and you know how haunted the characters were in their time how haunted we are in our time by these themes by these histories by these legacies um yeah yeah i mean and
2: i mean anachronism anachronism is is really a useful idea because the very existence of an institution like that would or should seem anachronistic at that time or just before that time it's It's something that seems, you know, in the 19th century, it it just seems increasingly a clash um, with um, the supposed progress of of society um, and industrialization. Um, And this whole what's this movie is very um, claustrophobic, kind of enhances the the claustrophobic feel of that existing by being mostly taking place in the house, I would say, um, which is also very gothic about it. Um,
4: Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting you mentioned this, uh, the gothicness of slavery and and portrayals of that. I, I was just trying to rack my brains to think of another movie. I couldn't think of a movie, but have you seen the TV show American Gods? It's an adaptation of the Neil game. And that has some interesting moments with that, right? Uh, I don't know. It just came to my mind. Also as a point of contrast, I guess, because um, I was hoping the movie would really lean more into the gothic Mm -hmm. aspects and the supernatural, fantastical aspects. So my expectations were also primed a little bit by good manners, Mm -hmm. which I loved. And it's the kind of film that starts out a little bit like a social realist drama and then just takes some real, like, wild turns and, you know, becomes, like, fully kind of Jacques Turner and uh, uh, fully embraces the fantasy side of things and uses that fantastical framework to very excellently critique class and race relations. So this film starts out pretty slow. It honestly reminded me of a play. I thought it was very stagey in this house. Uh, These white... uh, aristocratic women sort of talking and mourning and talking about the end of slavery and the loss of a one of their slaves who was this old woman named Josephina and one of these young the the daughter of the house is like sort of mildly hysterical and has some early vision that she remembers of um, the slaves performing a ritual and and she's like clings to that and feels that that will solve all their problems and solve her mother's uh, back pain and all of that. But all of this is just so talky and closed. And I thought, okay, the other shoe is going to drop any moment. Now there's going to be a midpoint and something crazy is going to happen. And there's going to be like ghosts and zombies. And none of that ever happens. The film is just like proceeds at that same pace. There is the idea. There is one point at which one of those former slaves, her name is Ina, who now lives somewhere else with her son, is kind of brought back. There's there's an agreement between her and one of the other women in this house to kind of enact a ritual uh, in order to soothe the hysterical lady. Her name is Anna. Anna's uh, sort of strange delusions. And she reluctantly comes on board. And I thought that part was a little bit interesting because she's very reluctant to do these empty rituals because she says, I can't do something that is part of my faith in vain. And, you know, would you take Jesus's name in vain? And so there's like, the film kind of goes into that area of um, that moment in colonization. So much of colonization was like missionary work and so much of it was rooted in this, you know uh proliferation of catholicism and the relegation of other like native religions to paganism so it kind of flirts with that and these hypocrisies and she there's a movement where she enacts that ritual and i really thought something more would come out of it but all that happens is that anna claims to see ghosts that we never see um and so I, I ended up being kind of disappointed with it. I didn't think the acting was also strong enough to carry the, the, the theater-like aspect of the film really well. I thought the dialogue was a little... Again, it was like these surface-level engagements with all these different aspects of colonialism, but I, representationally, the film never engaged with these ideas, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, th- I just thought it was a bit confused and that anachronism really emerges in the last kind of turn of the film in a way that I thought was a little too easy. I wish it, again, the film had embraced the idea of of out-of-timeness a bit more diligently, had done something more inventive with that um, instead of kind of gesturing towards it and then just bringing it up in this final gesture. So I have to say one of my most maybe awaited films, especially in competition, the theme sounded right up my alley and very exciting and feel a little let down by it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I agree about the talkiness and the theatricalness. I guess I'm just kind of like coming from that point of view of like baby steps. And I think some of the... Um, I was really interested in a lot of the subtext. And I guess what I would say is like the specificity around Brazil. Um, and just and even how, you know, the subtext really is um was is really connected to what's happening today and you know, this idea of not being able to, you know, kind of the former slaveholding family just like just all the, the theme of just not being able to adjust to not even the future, but to like your reality, what the reality is, and I think with um, the former slave that you know followed the kind of condomble like that, that is an amalgamation actually of so already it's not even it's it's like what's happening in Brazil at that point is that it's an amalgamation of the Portuguese you know, Catholicism with the African tradition. So she's already figuring out a way to kind of integrate identity and, you know, represent her identity as a Brazilian in a way that these other folks are kind of left behind and seeing ghosts and can't even like adjust to like what the reality that they're actually existing in. And I thought that was an interesting metaphor for a lot of what's happening kind of in the world today, and it's happening in Brazil, it's happening everywhere, and I appreciated that, but I do, yeah, I I think it was a little slow, it was a little talky, although I would say, you know, without spoiling it, I mean, the the resolution is pretty dramatic, and the conclusion of the film, although it's not magical, it's pretty intense, um, and it also kind of speaks to all this subtext, and um, yeah, all these dynamics that we, you know, that are happening throughout the story and then kind of how it all culminates makes a lot of sense. And I just think, yeah, that's where I, th- I thought it shined is how it, all the characters kind of were able to embody the, this, this kind of subtext behind all the history and, and what's going on. and the ability to adapt to one's reality, Um, as the ground literally has shifted under one and the the inability that the inability to the point where you're literally driven insane by that inability to adapt
4: it's not a fair comparison but i think the better text about the unwillingness to resign yourself to changing circumstances within sort of this colonial framework is zama i mean they're not even two films that they're not similar in any way so I don't want to like speak of them together but just you framing the film's thesis in that way brought to my mind the best recent film I've seen about this inability of those in power to actually accept their station yeah yeah that's that's a film and he really just goes insane and it's a film that leans into that insanity in a way that you know, feels much more visceral and
3: Yeah, you know, yeah. And, but again, I think some of the context around Brazil was pretty like was really interesting the scene when she was um the former slave what was her name again? When she was singing it when it cut Ina? yeah when it cut yeah. from Ina singing kind of in a Um, polyrhythmic style. And it was interesting, like listening to her because I was like, oh my God, I was hearing Caetano Veloso. I was like, I was hearing what modern Brazilian music has become. It's so Mm. influenced by the diaspora. And then then when it cuts to the crazy hysterical white Portuguese, then she's kind of, she's playing um, on the piano, but it's kind of polyrhythmic also. And I just thought, you know, those, I guess those touches were just interesting to me, but yeah, overall, I think it was a little like stagey and wooden, but I was just those kind of um, awarenesses were just really fresh to me, and I just want to see more of that in cinema. I think there was a kind of complexity. Uh, maybe it didn't all totally succeed, but I think it's like part of a progression towards being able to kind of deal with these um, stories in more complex ways and not shy away from the complexity.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I was not familiar. Am not, am not familiar with. A culture with, uh, with anything near that, that level, of depth and, and nuance. So, for me, on a basic level, it was just very interesting seeing new subject matter put in dramatic form, basically, which is something I, I, I yeah, you were saying about baby steps. Like, I always kind of hunger for that on a certain level because you see the same stories told again and again and again, and they can be very well told, but sometimes I'm just like, even if you fail, why not try a different story, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, yeah. Right. He, he, I he, like. For me as well, I was like disappointed by, I don't know, like compositionally. I just thought they would do more with the dynamics in the house. Um, if you know you're going to be in the house for that long, I was, you know, I, I just thought there ought to be some more palpable yeah, tension or something conveyed. But at the same time, the 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 way it, w- it was switching between the different like um, intersections between uh, the, the different stories uh, was very interesting. Um, yeah, well, I was about to say one scene that was very disappointing, That, would, but that kind of gives away something yeah. um, in the narrative. But, uh, but there's a
3: balance. I mean, you're yeah. right to be, you know, like vigorous about the quality and to, and to cite, you know, versions of these themes that you think work better, right? Like that's what we're, you know, there's a balance here, right? We're excited about new themes, but we also want to be critical and vigorous and hold things to account and be like, Hey, this is a a different version of this that I thought succeeded better because that's how all of these stories get even more proficient and better and richer. And right. So, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So that was all of the dead ones. So let's talk now about, um, a couple of other films or let's talk about Siberia, the region. No, not the region the new hit film from Abel Ferrara. Actually, I don't know if it's a hit yet, but uh, definitely its screening will have screened here in Berlin. Uh, Definitely one of the more anticipated movies is someone standing behind me. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is Abel Ferrara standing behind me right (laughs) now?
4: Nick, cut the cord.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I I couldn't, I was walking by. I, I was shuffling by. I couldn't help but hear what you were saying. Um. That could happen. So I know, I it's, know. It kind I of a We joke, but yeah, like basically, <laughs> it's that. entirely
3: I mean, possible. Hopefully there's
4: not going to be any non press people in the sad corner of the press lounge.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> let's, not, let's not emphasize our location because we're lighting up the darkness uh-huh. with uh, with our wisdom. Um, so anyway, Abel Ferrara's movies, you know, I think even his fans would agree, are, are sometimes hit or miss in in recent years. Although I think Tommaso, which showed at Cannes last spring, was, um, you know, had its fans, um, has a distributor, um, so has prominent fans. But I have to say, Siberia is, yeah, most people are sort of baffled. Almost just how to describe it. I mean, I think it's just kind of a a weird sort of dream journey um,
4: of a very Freudian
3: descent.
2: Yeah, yeah. There, there is definitely a kind of.
3: But he's never done that before.
2: <laughs> right, a kind of, really kind of like a Dantean kind of vibe, where yeah. he's just he's going through the stations of of his life and, literally talking to himself or talking to his his father and talking to previous people in his life, talking to dogs at the end. Fish, fish, yeah. Spoiler alert. So a bit of an
3: acting ex- exercise, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah,
2: well, it is. I mean, Willem Defoe yeah. is this character. And he, yeah, he's, I, I can't think of a lot of people who could really...
3: Is there a Wilson, like, in Castaway? Or no?
2: <laughs> kind of, maybe. I mean, the movie
3: just begins with him...
2: Uh, Tending sort bar. Of,
4: no, it oh. begins with him reciting his early life with his father oh. over the opening credits. And at that point, I was hooked. I mean right at the opening because I think Willem Dafoe just has this voice you know that can conjure so many you know the sense of ominousness and nostalgia it's just a very well delivered monologue and then you open it I have to ask I just got out of this movie so I'm I haven't fully parsed it yet is he he in Siberia or is he in Canada?
2: Well um I don't know the right answer to that (laughs) or or the make-believe answer, basically. I mean, is it a Siberia of the mind? Is that what you're asking as opposed to... Because
4: I thought in the opening monologue he said something about going to Canada. Canada. And so I I don't know if the film actually explicitly marked where he was and the visitors. So he's he's like tending this bar and the visitors to that bar speak various languages. There's a Russian uh, mother and daughter who come by at one point. So it was very hard for me to uh, place where this was taking place.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's just supposed to be in a, a Wobegon kind of distant <laughs> place of, of, of the soul. Cold and... Where he's, and he's self-exile of sorts. Yeah,
4: um, And so, and also when it opens and he's tending the bar and there's some initial guests, including that Russian woman, there's a, actually it starts with like a, a an Inuit? Man Mm -hmm. is the first guest, and Mm -hmm. then there's another man who's sort of speaking in a North American accent, and a strange scene of violence happens, and that's when you realize, oh, this movie is batshit crazy. And (laughs) this whole time, I was into it because just Willem Dafoe's the way he talks, and I think the movie makes a lot out of the ruggedness of his face. You know, a lot of the movie is um, panning on landscapes, yeah, and. It's in these craggy places, these dark, craggy dungeons and caves and mountains. And somehow his face just fits so perfectly within those landscapes. And it's so evocative. And so I was really into it. But I want to say I'm puzzled, but that seems like giving the movie what it wants. You know, I feel like it wants to be this movie that everyone's going to come out and be like, oh my God, that was a wild ride. And I don't even want to give it that. Because... (laughs) It was also, like, occasionally dull for me. I can't totally dismiss it, though, because there was something there in the performance, in the in the visions, in the conversations he has with people. I mean, some of those visions were very striking. One of them I didn't understand at all. It was a cave, and there's a bunch of naked, kind of sickly people. Uh, and I, in the finishing the end credits of the film uh, <laughs> where, and none of most of these people don't have names. So they were just listed as Russian woman, Russian mother, right. cave demons, death camp, uh, people in the death camp. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. I saw the death camp. Credit. Right. Yeah. So
4: uh, then I was trying to kind of understand who these people were. And visually some of these were very striking. I don't, I just don't know if it all just boils down to this simple confrontation, uh, of a a man having this confrontation with his past with his sort of difficult relationship with his father that frames the whole film with his ex-wife his son um, and he traverses many landscapes sort of in an unexplained way you know he goes from these rolling plains to the desert to encounters various people who say mysterious things and aphorisms and just don't know what to make of it. I don't know if, what what the substance is behind it. I don't know if there is substance. The dialogue is very arty and on-the-nose
3: and, and grandiose. Apparently, it, um, it sounds, I have to say, exactly like what I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's I mean, what I'm saying.
4: I'm just kind of giving it the movie what it like wants, how, yeah. how it's what been framed. It is,
3: is, but not that I'm not going to see it. I'm just saying like that's kind of what I imagined right. it was. And yeah. I just worry
4: but, that it's a movie, yeah. unless I'm missing something, it's like the sort of thing where you can project a lot onto yeah. it. So... It's a journey. I, that's why I'm kind it's of wary dream. of saying too much or yeah. like making too much meaning out of it at the moment.
0: The film comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Bacurau from directors Kleber Mendonça Filho and Juliano Dornelles. Winner of the Jury Prize at Cannes and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Bacurau is a genre-bending fable about a small Brazilian town whose inhabitants, among them the great Sonia Braga, must rise up to resist a mysterious and malevolent invading force led by Udo Kier. Manola Dargis of the New York Times calls it a heart-thumping political allegory that tips its hat to masters like John Carpenter. Bacurau opens March 6th at Film at Lincoln Center and IFC Center before expanding to select cities.
1: This week's podcast is sponsored by the 22nd River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, featuring over 170 films from 41 countries. This year's archival spotlight features films by Rod Serling with special guest Anne Serling and Planet of the Apes makeup effects artist Tom Berman. Travel packages at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a reckoning. It's a reckoning movie, I guess. And and yeah, and some of it is, is a little... um. Yeah, I, portions of it are stilted, portions of it are startlingly, like, soul-bearing, and that's where Willem Defoe definitely comes in because he, he has a style in, uh, that uh, there's a certain radical candor or radical honesty to it um, that you actually believe, no matter how ridiculous what he's saying or what character or story he is narrating or playing, in what he is doing, um, because he does. And he he almost... He almost turns into a child when he when he when he acts to a certain extent. I think. Um, is uh, there
3: like a lighthouse Venn diagram here? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. It sounds um, kind of like maybe a similar kind of
2: well, character a little bit. I mean, it's like well, this guy is by this point is. I mean, there's a line early on where he's watching some guy play one of those like you know exasperating. Um, arcade casino games the one with the cards that come up and, and and you're just like tapping and i never know how those work um and you know he they ask him what you know do you want to play this and he says no i don't i don't like to play that And he says well don't you want to win and he says i don't want to win and the, the person says well why don't you want to win and he says because i don't want to lose yeah, to i thought those were good lines um but that kind of sums him up at this point so he's not yeah, he's a different type of like static compared to the lighthouse keeper of of, of, of the lighthouse, um, but without the kind of I don't know gr- grizzledness. He's just kind of more of a, a guy who happens to have just exiled himself. Um, I, I
4: do want to give a shout out to some of the lines. <laughs> I I completely agree. Some are stilted, but some were just so cool. Like there's this whole monologue which is delivered by uh, I forget his name, but he was the lead actor in Zama. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's there just for a little flash of a scene. And the and his line in that scene is, respect the existence of sleep. Stay away from those who sleep poorly. No small art it is to sleep. I mean, this is as best as I could write these things down in the theater. And it kind of goes on. And I was like, wow, this, yeah, this makes sense. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's a, It was so strange and such a such as like casually kind of insightful everyday thing to say. And there's, I don't know, there's just all these weird, the secrets you want to know are the negative of all of knowledge. This was another line in
2: the film. You know, a lot of the movie I kind of felt was like cribbed from like ancient philosophers that I couldn't quite recognize (laughs) at some point. There's definitely a point where he recites something that I swear is a poem. and, And I feel and uh, Ill- illiterate for not knowing what, what it is. But, uh, yeah, but at the same time, like, this is also, like, there are movies, there are parts of this movie that just won't be, won't fly, I think, for a lot of audiences. Like, his But ro-
3: it'll probably fly a lot for some people. It sounds like one of those films that's so subjectively experienced. Like, some well, people will just love this, probably. Yeah, it's also know?
2: just weirdly, there's something weirdly traditional in, in, its, in its, like, reckoning. I don't know, it's very much like proceeding through different aspects of his life in with this kind of very, you know, uh, manner and dialogue. And it's, it's like... There's a part. There's an aspect of this movie where it's like if you were doing a parody of an art house movie, this might be, you know, one of the types. His
4: relationships with his family, which take up, which is like sort of what the reckoning is structured around. They they are a little bit predictable. The conflicts with the ex-wife and relationship with the father. They they are moving, and I think, like you said, it comes down to his almost infantile candor, but.
2: Mm-hmm. But yeah, his romantic history is not my favorite part of the movie. Um,
4: (laughs) His history and present in the
2: film. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, I think the girl flashed in my head for a second, just in terms of like, I don't know, similar reckoning that's very open, um, but also consequently um, laying bare like certain bits of short-sightedness about... Or, I don't know, incomplete understanding of, like, both the people involved in the relationship, which is probably true to that character. But, yeah, I couldn't even... There was just some exchange. I couldn't even tell if they were serious or not between her and him and his his ex. Um, yeah, and, I, I mean, the
4: dialogue that... Because it also went from, like you said, this uh, philosophical kind of evoking poetry yeah. and philosophy to things like, you need to find a new therapist. A new what? A new therapist. Oh,
2: therapist, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's
4: a line that You know, and so it's just kind of moving erratically in this way that, yeah. yeah, it is very hard to tell. And people were laughing. Yeah. How much of that is supposed to be actually, I mean, yeah. intended to Some be laugh I mean, I think yeah.
2: Abel Farrar always has a bit of shtick at the, at the ready. Um, I do want to mention something. I mean, since we're talking about the dog about the camera work which i think is actually pretty exquisite in the movie there's this because it, it it's part of what makes the movie actually function on any level is this this constant kind of hovering motion uh it's just remarkable how it moves us through different spaces and 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 kind of mindsets and time frames and i honestly maybe some of the outside are drone shots even i i think it's crucial to to the movie having a sense of motion and having a sense of energy coursing through it without that I I think it would be pretty could get pretty dire
4: and I know there's like criticism of drone overuse of drone shots and aerial shots these days but those (laughs) the ones in this film really did work for me I mean those were the moments where I just felt like a pure thrill Mm -hmm. you know which other parts of the movie didn't I think even those which were meant to be kind of Thrilling didn't it didn't always work, but yeah, what, yeah when it was just the camera moving, uh, it it kind of captured it it like distilled the strangeness I think that the movie was trying to like go for in in very simple like movements and yeah. perspectives.
2: Yeah. Well, that's Siberia, very much um, s- still uncharted territory for us. I, I think it might take a little little more time in the cold. I'll stop. Stop me. Um, so let's move on from Siberia to, Um, Well, Jessica, you were you were clustering together different movies in a very um, intriguing way. Um, I, I wonder if you'd want to talk about a couple of those, especially um, Mogul Mowgli.
3: Yeah, that's a um, interesting. The director of that film is interesting. Yes. Um, Basan Tariq, he uh, also made this film, short film that's on Netflix, Ghost of Sugarland. Um, which is pretty interesting and uh, takes place, you know, right outside of Houston. He grew up in New York and in Houston, and actually used to own an organic halal meat um, store in New York City. Um, and I think did a TED talk about it. So um, is a very inter- It was born in Karachi, Pakistan, and um, yeah. So and it stars, um Riz Ahmed, and uh, who is you know also a rapper, and um, part
4: of Sweatshop Boys. Part of Sweatshop Boys
3: with Teams, who's also part of Das Racist. So there's a little kind of cross continental UK meets New York kind of thing going on there. Um, Yeah, and of course India meets Pakistan. Yeah, for sure. Um, And yeah, and he was also the star of the night of. and, um, and yeah, there's a, well, I, there's, there's now like a, um, a, there's like the, there's the, the Riz test now, which is like the Betchel test. So that's pretty interesting. Based um, on, uh,
4: an, like an essay he wrote, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. And it has, I don't know, it has five, um, aspects or five stages or whatever, but it's based on the Betchel test and it and it you know deals with like the representation of Muslims in film. So that's kind of interesting, you know, kind of playing off the Betchel test and how women are represented in film.
4: And Riz co-wrote this movie too, yes, right? Yes, he co-wrote yeah, it. Yeah, yes, yeah. he
3: co-wrote it also. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is another film that is. How do I put it? Like. I feel like these kind of stories in the past, like there was this idea that they were too complicated kind of and things have to be simpler for people and people can't kind of process this kind of um, complicated story. And 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 it's it's not you know, it's it's kind of got a I feel like a not you know, it's not a gender version of this, but it, there's a kind of non binariness um, to the story and the experience that it is, um, you know, depicting that I do feel like is new and exciting and it, and it really is dealing with like complicated identities and experiences and doing its best to explore those in ways that I haven't seen explored necessarily in a lot of films. I think this director is, is doing a lot of interesting work along those lines. With a film like this, I have to say, I always kind of feel like, does it fall into a dirty laundry category? I want to know what South Asian people think about this film. Um, I did wonder about that, but, um, do you
2: want to just, uh, did you just, just describe what the movie is, is about? Did you say that already or no? No. Uh,
3: (laughs) Um, just to frame what you're you're saying. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's about a, um, guy that's in his thirties that is a MC as a rapper that grew up in like brick lane, London. Um, and uh, it starts out with him in New York City doing a concert. He gets this opportunity to go on a big tour with and open up for a big rapper, and he's really excited. And then goes home after not going home for I think like a f- couple of years. Goes back to his childhood home um, in London, and uh, and gets sick and has to stay there and has to get better and cannot go on this tour and has to spend time with his family. And there's a bunch of other stuff also going on. It's very much evoking the legacy of his family, the legacy especially of his father, the legacy of the India-Pakistan partition, and um, some trauma that his father has around that experience that sort of plays out in interesting ways in the film and reverberates with him and his experiences. And I think, yeah, again, it's like, it's a... I think a good example of something that is is dealing with some really really complex kind of macro political, socio political themes, and kind of you know looking at how that plays out on a micro level in a family, um, and then also is very interesting around kind of um, yeah cro- like you know kind of experiences between New York and London, and kind of cross um, continental, cross cultural identity, and then it, and then is also just like very much. Um, Rooted rooted in like I would say like hip hop literacy, you know, and there's some jokes that are just like straight, like kind of like hip hop jokes that you wouldn't necessarily get, um, unless you're kind of familiar with some of the references. And so it's I don't know, it's kinda like I, I don't know if it was like everything totally, totally worked, but it's kinda up my alley and I thought it was really special. And I it's another film where I'm just really excited to see these kind of stories being told. Um yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty
2: remarkable like narrative structure just cuz it's 60 minutes of the movie is him basically being mostly immobile because he 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 you know he he's it turns out he what sidelined him is this kind of muscular degenerative disease and that's a like for a filmmaker, it's like a and an actor it's like a big challenge and I think one way that they work through it and also central to like the movie's own reckoning is um he has these kind of fever dreams slash memories of his own slash memories that are almost like ancestral memories where he's as if I understood correctly, he seems to be having flashing to memories that his father had, which is, yes, those are some of like the most um, kind of potent like leaps for me in in the movie that, that sense that you uh, remember something that you didn't directly experience. Um, And so that's that's a lot of the movie. There's also a kind of I don't really know what kind of figure he is, but the figure that keeps appearing. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, who's a
3: who's a Pakistani singer? Um, that he yeah that he yeah because there's like the tape at the beginning of the film that he yeah it's really interesting around just like what. Like, what is authenticity? Like, what is what makes you authentic and and assimilation and just him like kind of rejecting these things that feel like too like kind of Pakistani, but then him also being called out on his kind of like to the extent to which he is. Assimilationist, and it's just very like nuanced around a lot of, and that's yeah, that's why I kind of wondered like, is this just too much like inside intel for like people outside the culture? Because it really goes there in terms of, and I always have those questions around those kind of films, especially if I'm not from the culture. Like, how do people from inside the culture experience this? Because there is a lot of like kind of inside referencing and and context. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I just didn't see it here because I seeing other films and i thought okay this is like a it has him in it so it's like the kind of film that will you know i'll have other ways of of seeing it and also i i have to stop going by the blurbs but when it's like he goes back home and struggles with assimilation, it just like i am kind of wary but the way you guys are describing it it sounds really interesting i also really do like his rap um which, like, mixes in a lot of South Asian references, like, hip-hop American and British hip-hop references. That's one of the best parts
3: in the film. Right. I, or is, like, that's one and of the also, best parts. And
4: also, like, is really, really politically smart. Totally. You know, like, his totally. his, his his and Heems' rap mm-hmm. is... Actually goes there and in self-aware. terms of it. Yeah, and, and, like and it's, like, very sharp totally, totally. Uh, and political critique, yeah. much more so than you see in, like, pop, yeah. general, the pop landscape. Yeah um so yeah i mean I, I i think i am going to seek it and out self critique also
3: I right mean, there's like yeah
4: and, you know i ran into this uh, a british critic and i was just asking him how it was and he said oh you know some parts were some didn't but you know it's a bbc funded film about a south asian muslim if we don't support it now there's never going to be progress or something so yeah so they were like, we're going to go see this because, you know, it goes back to what you were saying about baby steps. And yeah. so I just thought that was an interesting context hmm. that I wasn't aware of. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, and I uh, just, just to speak to the different, you know, uh, layers, in, you know, cross cross currents of hip hop. They, they one of those interesting scenes is this rap battle that occurs. Um, um, which, yeah, where each, each side of the rap battle is accusing the other of not having authenticity. Um, which is the most clinical way I could describe a rap battle, but, but yeah, that's it's it's interesting because one is one is him and the and the other is is someone from who's uh, uh I guess I don't, I don't know what you would like. He's black. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to think with the like
3: British. I was just
4: saying like this sounds really. interesting. No, that scene
3: is really interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. he calls him out. Like he kind of says like, but you're like black. And right. everybody, everybody's like, whoa, yeah. you can't go there. And he's like, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. And it's like, it's right. really like nuanced about like uh-huh. intra hip hop. Yeah. And then the stuff with, oh my God, I love the stuff with his, he has this like successor who kind of gets to, who has face tattoos and that's like a great, and it's also like, that's so, it's so, it's such a kind of like interesting intra self-aware dig because he has this song about like chicken which I feel like is kind of a reference to like, what is it? Das Races is like the Taco Bell song. Oh
4: yeah. So there's sort of
3: like a way that it's kind of like they're making fun of their, it's really like smart in terms of yeah. how they're kind of like, they're like, he's the character that's the one to be made fun of. But like actually the content of the song they're making fun of is similar to a song that like and Das that Races song actually is so did. so funny. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, that's really like, I just appreciated the intelligence of that. Just that's like the, yeah, that was like kind of interesting to me. Yeah. The, yeah. His raps are like, the best part. I mean, yeah, they're they, so good. Yeah, they right. start with. he's it, basically. such a good rapper. Yeah, it's like damn. You know, I, I mean, yeah.
4: also the you're just talking about authenticity and all. You know, it sounds so interesting because authenticity is such a big part of just hip hop. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like hip hop culture right. in America has a different meaning when you think of diaspora. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's all these. Yeah. Um... And it's constantly questioning, yeah. yeah. I mean, the film
3: is constantly questioning, like, what is, uh, you know, authentic, and and just kind of shifting that, and and it's never, it's never steady, it's never clear, it's never, like, firm, it's never, like, a steady ground that anybody's kind of on, Um, and yeah, there's just a, there's just a real kind of, like, fluidity and non binariness to, it's kind of values that I found really interesting and yeah and like I said like I just feel like I haven't seen a lot of that and I think this is like you know a lot of people's identities are not and for a long time you know this is not even new mm. that people have had hybridity in their identities it's not a new thing Right. Sure, in ancient times, people were like, yeah, I'm no, Syrian sh- and Persian and, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, right, right. you know, I mean, people are... Maybe not yeah, exactly that, Yeah, and that's but- also
4: why, like, I think this came up in one of our Sundance podcasts also, this, like, I struggle with assimilation films mm-hmm. a little bit because they do f- feel binary mm-hmm. at a lot of times, but mm-hmm. they just become... It's as if the exist Like, diaspora existence is all about, you know, uh, between, like, the native culture and authenticity, authenticity and between this... Uh, you know, your current home or whatever, Mm -hmm. this other culture, Mm -hmm. and it's not as simple as that. You know, it's not just about like, uh, do I belong nowhere? Is it can I retain myself while still fitting in? The it's way more complex than that, and it's like it's so reductive. And a lot of films Mm -hmm. do do that, Mm -hmm. they impose that like very reductive framework on it. So,
2: um, so that was Mogul Mowgli. Um, and now, um, another movie that uh, Jessica you saw that we did not see. Um, so thank you, is One of These Days.
3: Yeah, and it's um, One of These Days is from Bastian Gunther, who is actually a German filmmaker who spent a lot of time in Texas, and his previous film was set in Houston, and um, I I believe it was about a multinational corporation hiring people in Houston, so it was kind of a story of globalization, and um, this film, One of These Days, is about a hands on a hard body competition, which if anybody is unfamiliar with that, this is um, where people get together. Well, individuals, you know, show up and actually there's a kind of drawing. It's like a lottery. You have to be chosen to do this. Um, It's a contest where people have to keep one hand on a truck over some like four to five days basically, um with some bathroom and food breaks.
2: It's like they shoot horses, don't they? But with a car.
3: Yeah. And whoever whoever's <laughs> yes. And whoever's left, um, you know, gets the truck. Um, so it was kind of this, uh, you know, kind of microcosm of uh, Texas and America. It starred um, Carrie Preston, who's a great character actor who's on the TV show Claws. Shout out to Claws. She's also married to Michael Emerson, another great TV actor. Shout out to Benjamin Linus from long lost, amazing TV show Lost. Um, and she's kind of the glue of the picture. It's um, actually a very, it's both funny and poignant and tragic and is very, very metaphorical around late stage American style, 21st century capitalism. Um, It's very much, you know, on that tip. And it kind of uh, has this, uh, it kind of represents a microcosm of a lot of different kinds of people that are found in Texas, are found in the U.S. And um, I think it's a pretty, pretty symbolic film. um, And um, yeah, really, really interesting, really funny. Um, and,
2: and there, there's, there's a, a kind of notorious documentary about yes. this. Um, and
3: I, I think, I, I mean, I keep imagining this, I might be wrong, but I swear there's a musical also. That's, <laughs> I think there's a musical. It seems someone limited about, in the dance steps. I given think that there's a hands on a a hard party musical the entire time, um, but. Yeah, so, but, you know, some stuff goes down that's pretty hardcore in this film. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely got a kind of critique, and like I said, it really kind of ends up serving as a metaphor for kind of the choices working people have to make in America, especially these days, um, and kind of the limitations of those and the frustrations of those. It's also very funny. Um, has some really you know funny parts to it and It
4: is a documentary did I did, or no no no, this is no, fiction. no, no. these are okay. these are
3: actors and that you know it actually it's interesting the movie we we're talking about before has a really yeah this is a very interesting like actors exercise right because they have to act as if they've been holding on to this car for days. So the physicality of the performances, it's great. And I, I kept thinking about this must be really exciting for the actors to be doing this because it's just such, you have to really imagine and you have to really put yourself in the shoes of people that have been literally standing in the same spot for like five days straight with bathroom breaks and food breaks um, and and rotation breaks and um, but yeah, it has a kind of, you know, it maybe is a little bit of a sort of like Poseidon adventure disaster movie, element. There's kind of like every type of character. There's like a Bible lady, you know. There's like all these different characters (laughs) that are holding on to the car. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty interesting.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of actor challenges, coming from coming off of Mogul Mowgli, which has its own kind of acting challenge because part of it is that his legs are paralyzed. To this, and then somehow Mogul also connected for me to Siberia in the sense of like a man having a reckoning with. Uh, all all the embarrassments um yeah abjection
3: yeah and everybody in this in one of these days is having a reckoning with embarrassment because it's (laughs) all kinds of embarrassing stuff happens when you've been holding onto a truck for five days so yeah (laughs) right (laughs) nowhere there is nowhere to hide i just
4: understood the import of (laughs) your statement oh god
3: Um, well yeah i I mean it might be not as bad as you think but yeah okay (laughs)
2: Um so that is one of these days um and I think that might be um one of those times where I will bring this to an ending just because we um been going on um we talked about a lot of movies and we'll have more to get to many uh, many more many many more and
4: Hong coming up
2: I Got a Hong Sang-soo and what else Simon Ming-liang and... and Yeah yeah, and all other stuff, other stuff. Yes, indeed. Um, but Jessica, thank you very much thank for, you. for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Yeah, and, and now you're going to go sightsee, right? Or you have been sightseeing.
3: Um, a little bit. A little I've little been bit. working mostly, but okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> You've been
2: working very hard and nothing yeah, but. No, I really have, but yes. I've,
3: I've tried, I'm trying to see a little bit of yeah, Berlin, yeah. but I think I'm actually going to go see another movie now. But okay, yeah. yes, yeah. let's all
2: rush off. More movies for you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.
0: The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Baccarat from directors Kleber Mendonza Filho and Juliano Donelles. Winner of the Jury Prize at Cannes and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Baccarat comes to theaters starting March 6th.
1: This week's podcast is sponsored by the River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th, featuring over 170 films and special guests, including Tony Bill and Helen Bartlett. Info at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway.